2: This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin.
1: Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, December 11th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. Um, Derek Van Riper's with me today. We're recording this it's about we're starting about 9:15 Eastern on Monday morning, and uh, Eagle fans, black armbands today. There's a gray cloud over the city. It's just awful. What an awful day after a win.
2: Yeah, it's not often that the rest of the sports world feels bad for Philly, but I think we all like watching Carson Wentz play. And, you know, we never want to see guys get hurt. Uh, It's weird because the play where he got hurt was one that looked like maybe it could have been like a a deep bone bruise or something like that. Kind of a a play where he launched himself into the end zone and, and got hit by two players at once. And it was a really odd Sort of way to suffer a torn ACL, but clearly more of the direct contact variety as opposed to the uh, you know, cleats got caught in the ground and tear it that way sort of method. And the unfortunate thing, too, you know, if that's confirmed as a torn ACL, it's so late in the season, it's going to impact him in 2018 as well. Right. And that's going to be a pretty big blow for the Eagles as they look like they were positioned for a nice multi-year run in the NFC. I mean, think about the giants as a team that aside from the injuries are going to go through some changes this offseason. they might not bounce back immediately. And Dallas is just good. Not great. Even when they have all their, their pieces. So you, you don't really look at them as a major threat and, and Washington never seems to be able to figure it out. So right. it's a, it's a missed opportunity in a big way. It's really unfortunate. Uh, it's he had a huge day before he left He had two rushing touchdowns, including that one where he got hurt called off the board both because of holding penalties so could have been even a better day for Carson Wentz before he uh, had to leave that game and and Nick Foles took over
1: so Nick Foles so so basically the the latest on Wentz I mean the Eagles flew home literally probably landed not too long ago kind of thing Um, do you think well first of all the the report is he has to have an MRI today it has not been confirmed that he had that he has a complete tear of the ACL and if he does not, there is a possibility that he could play again this season. I think for fantasy football purposes, you kind of you have to write him off um, for now. What about Nick Foles? Like what, I know you know, Jake and I will talk more about this on Tuesday when we talk about the free agents. But uh, next two weeks, Eagles are at the Giants and then home for the Raiders. Is Nick Foles interesting to you at all?
2: I think in those matchups he is. I, I don't think you could really expect much more from him than you'd expect from you know, like a Jimmy Garoppolo in, in some of the matchups, like the one that Garoppolo had in week 14. But part of what makes Philadelphia such a good offense aside from Carson Wentz's arm strength and accuracy and mobility and really his ability to check all the boxes and what you want for an NFL quarterback is the group of weapons being good. I mean, they have a number one receiver in Alshon Jeffrey who uh, they just extended. They've got a tight end when healthy and Zach Ertz, who's a game changing sort of player as well. And the secondary pieces in the passing game are solid as well. Nelson Aguilar is taking a huge step forward this year. Even when they have to rely on Trey Burton, that guy's come up pretty big in those opportunities he when he's has been down. So you look at those guys, Torrey Smith, the depth at running back, how well they run the ball, how good the offensive line is. It's a good enough setup where a backup with experience like Foles should be able to come in and look decent against teams like the Giants and the Raiders in the final two weeks. And, I mean, if you're a Wentz owner and you didn't carry a backup, there might be a better option out there in some leagues. But he's at least in consideration. If you have to stream these last two games for the semifinals of the championship, I think you're right.
1: Um, all right, folks, check us out on Twitter before we review all the Sunday games. Check us out on Twitter: Derek's at Derek Van Riper. I'm at you thirty seven. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. Check out the newsfeed at RotoWire NFL, um, and we're on Facebook. We do lots of Q and A's. We'll talk more about that a little later. Um, Colts Bills. That was fun. That was fun to watch anyway. When when the red zone kept. Shift into it when you haven't deep
2: enough snow where when the ball hits the ground and it just stops. That's fun. Yes, make. that's that's the kind of snow we want. There was an Eagles Lions game a few years ago like that. <laughs> there's, there's a picture that's in our football magazine, I think every year of Kelvin Johnson uh, in the snow in that game, it, 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 we just keep putting it in there, and no one notices. So now people might notice, but uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting. The Bills attempted 16 passes in this game. The Colts boldly went went to 22 attempts. Not surprisingly, the running backs were very heavily used. Gore, we know we like the matchup. I, I think the the track wasn't exactly ideal. <laughs> it kind right. of neutralized everybody and slowed everybody down to Frank Gore's speed. But it's hard to get. Big, big plays uh, executed in, in conditions like that. Uh, give LaShawn McCoy credit for being close to five yards per carry yesterday. I mean, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, Adam Vinatieri with that long extra point, totally ridiculous. I mean, the, just the conditions were like video game extreme. And these two teams who generally aren't fun to watch became watchable because of the conditions. Absolutely. Um
1: And we did. It's funny. We talked last week about Frank Gore being a decent play. And I think, you know, the snow probably did a lot for that because he carried 36 times. The Colts got kind of screwed on the the two point conversion. Yeah. Yeah. That was a mess. Yeah. That penalty was just that, you know, it seemed like a bogus penalty. And just see folks look up the video. There's one one of the Colts Beat writers talked to Kamar Eiken about it and they have a close up video on it. So it's kinda interesting. Um I mean, fantasy wise, yeah, there's it's it's hard to take anything away from this game, so so we won't belabor this one. Cowboys, Giants, um Rod Smith had a huge fantasy day. But I mean, it was helped by the fact that he had an eighty what, eighty one yard touchdown reception. So it's kind of skewed. It.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That helps a lot. I mean the distribution of touches was still 22 for Alfred Morris to 11 for Rod Smith. Right. So if in your head, you thought the giants are bad. Alfred Morris isn't terrible. I'm going to play Alfred Morris this week. You come away a little disappointed because it's 85 total yards and no touchdown. Your process wasn't that bad because a a two to one split on the touches in a game where the other running back went off. I mean, you were thinking, the right way and you just happen to get a pretty bad bad outcome based on on Rod Smith making one particularly big play. I mean Rod Smith might be a good player. Like that that's the the main takeaway I have from Zeke's injury absence is that of their backs, I mean they let Darren McFadden go. McFadden retired. Rod Smith is a lot more interesting than Alfred Morris, and Alfred Morris is at least a solid player when he was a starter. So That gives you something to be excited about if uh, Rod Smith ends up in another situation down the road where he can actually play a lot.
1: Yep. On the other side of this, um, the Giants backfield is a little interesting. Um, Darkwa was sick during the week. He played, but he got out snapped by Wayne Gallman. It was 37 snaps for Gallman, 19 for Darkwa. And Gallman winds up going 12 for 59 on the ground, 7 for 40 through the air. I I think this guy is, he's on my radar as a pickup this week. Now, like, I don't know what's going to happen. If dark was healthy, we, you know, he might be sort of be the guy again, but Gallman played well enough yesterday that I think you kind of have to think about this and and keep an eye on it over the course of the week, because he could be someone that you
2: could, you you could think about playing this week, depending on what the giants say. I look at it and I'm a little concerned about the matchup with the Eagles on tap for week 15. I mean, the Eagles are are so strong defensively that I think that's going to present some issues for the giants. And, Uh, I think the one thing that does make you a little more confident about using a Giants running back in week 15 is the injury to Wentz. I mean, if assuming Wentz isn't out there, which even if he's going to come back this year, it's probably not coming back next week. I would figure that the Giants can keep that game a little closer than they would since Nick Foles is playing. And with that, you know, the running game may not be completely abandoned, but if it were to get buried, Gallman at least catches passes. I mean, the seven yesterday is a good sign uh, Eli Manning. I mean, five yards per attempt. Yeah, are, are people happy about this? That this <laughs> this legend, this hero of the Giants, is is just looking terrible down the stretch and and playing for this miserably bad team right now.
1: I know it's so funny because I I was saying to someone, I mean, we might have talked about it a little last week. When you know when when the benching came out, it just seemed like they handled it clumsily, you know. But then when they said, "Oh, we're going to put him back in," I kind of went, "Well, no, that
2: I didn't know that I wanted that." <laughs> Yeah, that, that's, that's backtracking. Uh, like, I agree with you that given the circumstances, they could have handled it much better. And it seemed like the head coach, I mean, at the time, McAdoo versus uh, the front office versus ownership even seemed like they were all kind of on different pages. I don't know if they just didn't read their emails or if somebody failed to get everybody the same talking points or why exactly they sounded so confused. Maybe they just were. Maybe, maybe they were all thinking different things. I don't understand why they went back to him because as we've said before playing time when you're a bad team is it's kind of valuable currency. You get actual games against real defenses or offenses to evaluate your talent for future years. And if Eli Manning's not going to be your quarterback next year, which if you had to bet on it right now, you'd probably put a pretty sizable bet on Eli Manning playing somewhere else if he was playing in 2018. Yes. It, why go back to him? Like the the team's horrible like, right now with, without Beckham. The offense is bad. The line has problems, all the stuff we've talked about throughout this season. Why put him back out there? Like you he, he already lost the consecutive start streak anyway. So it's not like he's adding to that. All you're doing is caving into the emotions of the fan base. It seems. And I, I know everybody hates Geno Smith. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. One game with the giants this year is not really anything that resembles a true audition, right? Maybe they're afraid to play Davis Webb, but I I don't know why they still feel compelled to play Eli Manning. I don't either. And I think something's going to change over the some point over the next week or two with that.
1: Lions Bucks. I'm going to read something to you from the Tampa Bay Times. The lead of one story, and it says from Greg Allman, um, one costly fumble Sunday did with two seasons with the worst average per carry in the NFL. Couldn't do put Doug Martin on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) Doug Martin got a touchdown he got a one-yard touchdown early in the game he Mm -hmm. fumbled and see you Doug Martin Peyton Barber took over and ran pretty well and I think we may have seen the last of Doug Martin. I don't think anyone was looking to play Doug Martin but the the demise of Doug Martin could lead you to want to play Peyton Barber
2: right oh yeah I mean the the thing about it too is if you had Barber when they announced that Martin was going to start you probably pivoted to somebody else, and and rightfully so, they all, almost split carries evenly. Barber had 12, Martin had 10. Barber much better on a per carry basis. Uh, caught one pass, Martin caught two. But I, I think this workload is going to change considerably. The Bucks are 4-9. It's the same kind of thing. Uh, I realize Doug Martin doesn't have the Eli Manning backstory, but when you're the Bucks, you gain nothing by giving him carries. If you figure out that Peyton Barber is your starting running back in 2018 or your backup, or your third-string guy, or not on your team, if you can figure that out with some clarity over the final three games, you've done well. You've, you've done something that absolutely makes sense. What doesn't make sense to me is Mike Evans getting five targets. Oh. I thought it would be a bounce-back game, but after the uh, poor performance or lack of targets last week in Green Bay, i looked back at the game log. It happened once before this season. He bounced back the next week. They made the, the game plan kind of revolve around him again. And I figured that'd be the same pattern this week. I just don't understand how you can justify that. Dirk Cutter is on that list of coaches who will be fired, if not in the next week or two at the very end of the season. It'll be the first Monday after week 17. He will be let go. I don't know who they're going to get to replace him. But this is a team that underachieved in a very big way this year, even if they were to win out and finish seven and nine.
1: Yep, absolutely. I agree. Um, The other side of this one. Let's see. Stafford's hand apparently did not bother. He threw a couple of picks. 381 for uh, he had a touchdown to interceptions. The receivers. So Golden Tate had a pretty typical Golden Tate
2: day. Marvin Jones was kind of quiet.
1: Eric Ebron, baby. Yes.
2: Yeah, that's that. That was my Gronk replacement in the stake league for one week. So I got that right in uh, in one instance. So I felt pretty good about that. Uh, Stafford, you know, played very well. I was concerned about him being compromised because of his hand, but 8.7 yards per attempt. I mean, clearly the Tampa Bay defense continues to be bad and, and Stafford wasn't really dealing with it too bad from a pain standpoint yesterday, or at least having any sort of visible, uh, problems with his hand Tate, though, eight for 85 in the score, Marvin Jones, three for 64 and four targets. Theoretic yeah, is not a running back. But he scored twice. He had two rushing touchdowns, and uh, his long carry yesterday was 18 yards. So he had nine carries for 11 yards, and then you know the 18 yarder, and two touchdowns wrapped in there. Tyon Green, your guy didn't uh, didn't get as many carries as I would have hoped. You know, I, I thought yesterday
1: yesterday morning I started thinking about this more. Like last week, we we joked about Tyon Green. What happened is I scoffed at him on Thursday, and Tim Heaney said he's actually better than you think and you know i'm not trying to throw tim under the bus here or green not having a good day but i think i i realized that we didn't talk enough about Riddick last week because the week before he we had 14 touches right and i and and, and i think that even though the rushing performance is not is not great, you know the two touchdowns came on a bad rushing day, but he caught a bunch of passes and I, and and we talked too much about Tyon Green or we talked plenty, which might have been fair. We didn't talk about theoretic, and I think that was uh know I, I i felt i felt yesterday I said you know what I, I I feel like I whiffed on that
2: I'd never really talk about theoretic though because i, I- I keep assuming the Lions will realize he's a pass catching specialist and they, they don't seem to realize that. So but at least they the threw to him again. Me, the last
1: two weeks they were throwing to him again, which they hadn't for a long time.
2: Right. But then if they throw a lot to Ebron and Riddick, one of Tater Jones has to lose out because yep. you can't sustain more than three guys, even when you're going to throw it 40, 45 times. I mean, it's it's really hard to get four players to have a good fantasy day in the passing game. That that's true. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, all right. Let's move on from that one. And we're going to go next to Raiders and Chiefs. Um, Kareem Hunt, thank you. Welcome back. It's, it's been, it was nice to see him, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it was long overdue. And, and part of it's the carry volume got back up. 25 carries. I mean, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the 116 yards. But for the first time in what seems like five weeks, the Chiefs used Kareem Hunt at, uh, at a level that was acceptable. Like that, that's great. That's why weren't they doing that all along?
1: I don't know. I mean, I know he wasn't always effective, but I agree with you. I don't know why that happened. Um, Travis Kelsey had a touchdown overturned. He landed at the his knee hit at the one foot line or something. He I think he dropped another one. Like it was it was the Travis Kelsey owners had a, had a bad day because he had opportunities and they just it just it was just bad luck. Um, Other side, there's really nothing to talk about on the other side of this game. I mean, all the Raiders Raiders stats were all based on
2: garbage time. What happened to Derek Carr in this game? I didn't really get to see a lot of Chiefs Raiders the way it worked out. 5.1 yards per attempt against the Chiefs defense. It's been as soft as they've been. I know we talked about it on Friday, and I think we were on different sides. You kind of said, I don't know, the Chiefs at home, I'm not not as confident the Raiders are going to throw all over them. I thought Carr was going to pick them apart like he did uh, in that Thursday night game. Earlier this year, and right. it, it wasn't even close to that Cooper. It's, I don't know if he aggravated the injury officially or, or what happened there. He got shut out one target. I had him going in a, in a serious XM playoff league. I have, I think, 19 points in that league entering Monday night. <laughs> I, I think I I have Brady, Burkhead and Dion Lewis all the play. All right. But I'm not going to win. I mean, t- even if I get 12 each from the two running backs. Twenty-five from Brady. That's only forty-nine points. That right. gives me a sixty-eight. It's right. not going to get it done. No, it's because not I, had, get it done. I, Jimmy Graham uh, and Amari Cooper both in the donut club. <laughs> <laughs> that stinks.
1: That's I mean, Cooper. Cooper, you, you thought it might happen because he he finally suited up on Friday for practice. They said he was gonna be a game time decision, but there were, yesterday morning the news was that he was gonna play, but there might be. I saw the I saw the quote pitch count from someone.
2: Yeah. And that made me go, I'm out on my I can't, I'm not gonna do this. I think my alternative was Deshaun Jackson. So it wasn't Okay. It wasn't like an obvious, well, I gotta play Deshaun Jackson because the Bucks properly utilize him every week. So I thought the matchup was just so good that it'd be fine, and clearly it wasn't. That was also the Elvin Kamara. Was on that team. So got the early exit from him with the concussion. So that, that team deserved to lose this week. Right. Uh, the, the prize for winning that league, by the way, is one of the three hosting seats for some live event. I mean, like it, it's, it's work like the, that, that, that was the prize. They didn't put up any sort of like gift card or or anything like that it's <laughs> if if you win one of the three channel leagues you can host the show together that broadcasts one of our drafts next year wow lucky you, you. might ask me you, you may if i'm if i'm lucky ask me to do that even if i don't win the league and it, i don't i don't want to be obligated to do it in case i have something else going on that day and <laughs> i don't know I, it's it, it's weird to me like, I, I don't understand why people this isn't just to, to pick on them o- other places do this too why the the idea of playing a league for fun is supposed to be like a a real thing like it's it, cuz it's not it's not fun to play for nothing or to play it's, for work it's, in it's that not. case i agree with you
1: playing playing for nothing is is it, it gets annoying because you have to participate in 50,000 drafts
2: yeah and it's just, it's one more set of waivers you got to go check and extra moves and if you don't play well you you look stupid cuz you didn't like focus on it enough and The solution to all that's just saying no at the beginning. I mean, I've gotten better at that over the years. Where you you get so many league invites in the industry, and you want to be in everyone's league from a politeness standpoint. Yeah, but it's impossible to play well in twenty leagues. You just you really can't unless unless your obligations between normal business hours are are zero. You, you'll struggle in some of those leagues because inevitably you'll just forget about some of them.
1: Well, one year I remember my favorite story about that is one year Eno Saras from Fangraphs um, hired an intern to, to manage to set his lineups every week. It's a good idea. Yeah, because he had 17 teams or something.
2: Yeah. I mean, if, if you get into too many leagues, that's that's probably the best way to get out. I realize this is not a, a problem that the listeners have. So I apologize for that.
1: Yeah. If people are oh. thinking that you're just whining about being invited to too many leagues right now.
2: Right. And and, and then I'm whining about hosting a draft for a job. I just think it's kind of a funny thing to <laughs> offer as a league prize when it gets offered, even if you don't play in the league sometimes, too. That, right. That's, All right. Next up, Niners-Texans. Jimmy, Jimmy G is just dreamy, isn't he? Apparently, yeah. I mean, he was <laughs> 4-0 now as an NFL starter, and two of those games have been on a pretty bad San Francisco team. So uh, even though he's done it against the Bears and the Texans in their current forms, it's – It's still, I think, pretty impressive when you consider the supporting cast he has to work with. Right.
1: And he – I'm going to look up the two-week numbers right now. Jimmy G loves Marquise Goodwin. Loves, loves, loves. Last week, 8 for 99 on eight targets.
2: Yesterday, 6 for 106 on 12 targets. Jimmy G loves Marquise Goodwin. In uh, my home league, 10-team league prior to this week, I dumped Deshaun Jackson because I kept getting that wrong and picked up Marquise Goodwin. I think – That's at least a lateral move, but probably an upgrade based on the target volume you feel like you're going to get from Goodwin week to week. Um, Otherwise, in this game, Steven Anderson was a big fat
1: bust that stunk. I had some I actually have one lineup where late I built the lineup and I had Trey Burton in it and I got to the end. And I had three hundred dollars left and the three hundred dollar upgrade could get me from Burton to Steven Anderson. So I did it.
2: Mm. Yep. So
1: there you have it. Um and I believed in Trey Burton. I just like Stephen Anderson better. So uh oh well, so much for that. Uh, the Niners, the running back split here. Interesting. I didn't see the snap counts, but Hyde 14 for 78 in a touchdown, Matt Brady twelve for twenty-seven. I think I mean Hyde's probably fine. It's probably annoying if you own Hyde that this happened. But um, I yeah, there's no injury that I know of. Um I like I said, I couldn't find the snap count this morning. But um Anyway, Matt Brady, I wouldn't get
2: excited about Matt Brady here. So No, you can't. I, Carlos Hyde's a way better player, though, than, yep. than the Niners give him credit for being. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Let's see.
1: Packers Browns, you were right about the Packers running backs. You said that Aaron Jones was not going to steal very much from Jamal Williams. You actually said 80-20 split, and uh you were you were right on it, pretty much. Um boy, the Browns just Through, I mean, it's weird to say something like, oh, boy, the Browns
2: screwed up because they always screw up. But, man, did they really screw this one up? Yeah, they did. I mean, Deshaun Kaiser, prior to his interception in overtime, had three TD passes, you know, the one pick, didn't have any fumbles, was making good throws. I I think he's going to be a a solid NFL quarterback. The the, the tools look like they're there overall. Uh, And if they can keep some combination of Gordon and Coleman or Coleman plus – another top-end receiver if they flip Gordon this offseason for some kind of draft pick or whatever they're going to do with him. I I like the things they're starting to do with the offense. The defense not being able to hold a two-touchdown lead through the fourth quarter against a Brett Hundley-led Packers team, Mm -hmm. that's that's a backbreaker. I mean, if if you're a Browns fan, your expectations are as low as they've ever been. And just when you think, oh, we're going to win a game this week, that we should have won. Uh, no, I, I, I just the Trevor Davis punt return. Mike McCarthy probably shouldn't have punted the ball back to the Browns in the situation before the Browns punted it back and Trevor Davis put him in a scoring position late in the game like that. That shouldn't even have happened. And yet, here you go. Like big, big punt return. Um, Fifty three yard punt return for 65 yards by Trevor Davis. Pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> punted, punted the ball to the 10. Trevor Davis brought it back to the 25. And then it was uh, Hunley run, Williams run, Hunley up the middle, Hunley short right, Hunley short right, Hunley up the middle, and then Adams. <laughs> it took them, took them seven plays to go 25 yards, but they did it, John. They did it.
1: <laughs> Poor Browns. I thought Browns were going to win this even before the game. I thought the Browns were going to win yesterday. Um, Josh Gordon. So, what happened there? I, this is a game I just, like, again, I was red zoning. Um, Josh Gordon started fast. I, I thought. It's funny. Another thing I did in a—I uh, I was in the FanDuel, um, the Sunday Million. And I, as I talked about last week, I had the, I had a Kaiser, I was going to do Kaiser Coleman. And then I said, you know, I'm going to do Kaiser Gordon. And very late I was reading about the wind and I got spooked by the wind. So I took Gordon out. And it didn't matter that much, but when he started fat so fast, I went, holy cow, he's going to have a huge day. And then it just kind of stopped.
2: Yeah, I don't really understand why they didn't keep going to him because I don't think the Packers had any real way of covering him. Devon House left this game with maybe a setback to his shoulder. I mean, that that seemed like a pretty big deal, too. Sounds it sounds like Randall played up. well from what I was reading about the game. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. The thing that doesn't make any sense to me, and, and maybe it's, it's just a coincidence, and it, the, the target volume in the second half seemed like it was almost non-existent like they just stopped giving him chances to make plays because they had that lead they were focused on running the ball and and the browns it's like you're a winless team you don't have to be conservative they had a punt in this game too at at a point where it was like just go for it i mean it was it was it was the last it was was the play that they decided to punt away trevor davis took it back to 25 it was fourth and pretty short i believe when they punted that if you're a winless team and you're not going to the playoffs it doesn't matter what is the benefit of punting there? I, I don't know. Like what I, I don't know why did team It's fourth and four, and they were at their own thirty-seven mm-hmm. with with a touchdown lead, mind you. Right. So even if they even if they give up the ball, they just turn it over on downs. A field goal doesn't beat you. You you just take your chances. Mm, I don't know. And, I, I, they, I generally they agree. What more they but... win. <sighs> I'm not saying teams that are playing for a playoff spot should be. You know, doing that, but for a winless team, I just think you should put the pressure on the other team. Like okay, there's even no pressure. Like, just run a play, get get fi- run something to Josh Gordon, right?
1: Just and do and Crowell was else.
2: running well, and you, mean you had opportunity there. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I mean, it, 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 I'm just I'm just asking the teams that are clearly bad to just be a little more aggressive, so that way when teams have something to play for, they have to work a little harder.
1: Okay, we're gonna go to Bears Bengals, but what the What? I I have no idea what happened there.
2: I have no idea. I don't know either. I mean, the Monday game between the the Bengals and Steelers was clearly uh, just a physically demanding game on both of those teams. And I have to wonder if the fallout of that was the Bengals just being broken at several positions, fatigued. Uh, I don't I don't have any other other explanation for it. But I I thought
1: I thought the Bears were were at the rollover and die point. And I always hesitate to think that about teams until, you know, you're sure. But they looked to me to
2: be in that kind of position, and then they just didn't. How about a huge game from Jordan Howard? Like, if, if you've survived Jordan Howard as your first or second-round pick yep. at this point, and you're playing a meaningful game in Week 14, you have him in there, he gets you 147 and a couple TDs. That's, that's huge. That is pretty huge. Um, Bengals' side of the ball here,
1: uh, Gio Bernard. He was a he was an interesting play. Yes, yeah, so I really liked him. I had him as a. I think I told you Friday. I think I had him as, as my number ten running back on the week. And he didn't have a great day. What happened is he saved it late, especially in PPR because they were getting killed. And he caught he he caught six for sixty eight, and he caught all six of his passes in the second half. Probably four or five of them after it was kind of a, after it was a two touchdown lead, pretty much, or a twelve point lead. I think was what it was. So that saved that blowout basically saved Gio's fantasy day. Um, It sounds like I mean it doesn't. We know that AJ McCarron replaced Andy Dalton late. I am looking at um, I was reading the the sports bug the SB Nation Bengals uh, page this morning, and they're actually wondering if if AJ McCarron could replace Dalton, which I don't know if I buy. I, I don't know the circumstance. I haven't heard it from Marvin Lewis, but. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you think, do you think Andy, I mean, do you, do fantasy owners care? Is anyone playing Andy Dalton that we have to care about this right now?
2: Um, I hope not. Maybe in two quarterback super flex scenarios, yeah. people are are playing him. What do you think is going to happen with Dalton though? I mean, if, if you, if you look at the contract, it's the pretty pretty decent sized contract. The cap number, I think in 2018, 16 million, it's about the same in 2019, goes up to 17 million in 2020. I mean, there's there's probably some some way they can get out of some of it. There's gonna be some dead money on the cap if they let him go, but I, I don't I don't think he's necessarily locked in with the Bengals. If you were a team that needed a quarterback, would you rather go after Andy Dalton if the Bengals you know cut him loose or maybe you could trade for him again i'm not as familiar with the ins and outs of the cap as i should be would you rather have Andy dalton or would you take a chance on on one of the rookie quarterbacks and have to go at it in 2018 with um a completely you know green player at that position i don't know if
1: you're the Bengals, are you at that point
2: now i I still i don't
1: mind dalton but he's not i mean there's a ceiling right he's he's
2: if he's good he's kind of okay so I don't know. That's he's, a tough one. I mean, yeah, he's a 7.1 YPA this year. 7.5 last year. Had the one year at 8.4 2015. Clear outlier. 7.1 and 7.3. And that's pretty in this, in this environment, especially when you're throwing to A.J. Green. Like A.J. Green's a, an elite number one receiver. To be in the low sevens in YPA is not a good sign at all. And they've had other weapons around him, too, yep. the last couple of years, especially, that are pretty interesting. So I have to wonder if Andy Dalton ends up playing elsewhere in, in 2018 and A.J. McCarron gets the chance to lead the Bengals for a year.
1: Since since the offensive coordinator changed, 21 touchdowns, five picks
2: hmm. in 11 games. OK, well, that's that's a mark in his favor, right? You yep. say that's, that's probably good enough. Was it three? That was two games in, right? So it's 11, 11 games where he's done that. Yes. Yeah, a 5-5 five, five and a 6-4 those first two games. So that YPA number would be a little better without those two games factored in. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a Dalton hater. He, he still has these clunkers, though. Yes, and he does. Yesterday, yesterday was one at Denver, 154, even though they had three TDs from a yardage standpoint. That was ugly. Jacksonville, 10 of 18, 136. That was on the road. The Pittsburgh game back in week 7, 17 to 30, 140. Two TDs, two picks, 4.7 yards per attempt. He just has these like really low floor games that are kind of unusual for an NFL quarterback. Okay, everybody, FanDuel is fantasy
1: football for everyday fans with new contests starting every week. No busted seasons. There's something for everyone with lots of contests to choose from, and they start at just one dollar. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. So uh yeah, my Sunday Million actually had a good I mean 134 was an okay score. I mean, I, you know, I cashed, but it's not a big one, certainly. Um, at Gurley, I had Mike Evans. You were talking about. He just killed me, killed me. I mean, I just it, it uh, you know, and I know that you know, there's there's a good you know slice, good corner for the lines, and everything, but cheese. Come on with Jameis and Mike Evans.
2: It was awful. Yeah, that that shouldn't have happened. If I had played something else in place of Mike Evans at seventy three hundred, I had a one forty five going yesterday. All so. Right. Had a lot of things that went right, built around Wentz and Gurley, had DeAndre Hopkins. I guess I built around Hopkins too because he was expensive. Hunter Henry, Robbie Gould, like a lot of stuff went right. Tyreek Hill was okay, but good enough. You, you can have like a nine point guy and do really well in a big field GPP. What you can't have is two other guys that are under nine points. And I had Evans, and the Browns defense call it was a bad one. I, yeah. I didn't get the turnovers and sacks that I expected. The weather wasn't as bad as I'd hoped. So that went wrong. But Mike Evans. That one makes a big difference because if I find something else in the seven thousand dollar range, he was seventy three hundred, and I get fifteen to twenty points, you know, I'm, I'm pushing up closer to like one sixty, right? And that's that's going to make a big dent. You know, one sixty, I played in the the spike, the single entry five dollar tournament. That was the main tournament I was playing in. I was I would have been probably top fifty in that with another. Receiver instead of Evans. So right. that, that, that was a
1: huge misstep on my part. Okay. I'm looking to see where 160 would have been here in the Sunday million. Hang on here. 162 got you to
2: $75. Yeah. I mean, it would have been okay. Yeah, it would have been like a hundred bucks for me uh, on the $5 single entry. If I had played a better receiver than Mike Evans. Yep.
1: Um, Evans, you know, it also killed me. The Kelsey overturn touchdown hurt me too, but the other one, I went
2: Bengals defense and they got me one point. It was just ugh, yeah. Mean, that was another that was another popular one from season long and, and DFS where we thought, oh, Mitch Trubisky, if he has to throw, it'll be bad. The Bengals will get some sacks. And right? Ugh, nothing, nothing there. Brutal. The play was Devonte Adams, by the way. If I had played Devonte Adams, who was four hundred less than Evans, twenty five point four points. Give me, give me another twenty two on top of my score, and heck, give me the extra couple hundred bucks, and I can upgrade that Browns defense. I had I had a good foundation yesterday. Just. Mm-hmm. It's been a few small mistakes. All right.
1: Live and learn, everybody. We'll all get that big hit someday. Everybody, over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel, including Derek and I, as we just talked about. To take advantage of our special offer for new users, sign up today. FanDuel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month road wire subscription, plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than a million dollars in cash prizes, and that's with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void. We're prohibited. Thanks, FanDuel. All right, Vikings Panthers, um, fantasy Cam man, that those those that those big runs. He just pulled that big run out of his hat. Lady, he had, he had a pretty bleak fantasy day until then, and he got he he got you six or seven extra points in that one run.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of struggling to figure out what we're going to do with Cam Newton heading into 2018 from a valuation standpoint. I mean, this is the second consecutive season now where he's been just below seven yards per attempt through the air, but he's running like peak cam. Right. So that's the, that's the tricky thing. He's like, okay, he's 28 now I'll be 29 in May. Is is that going to continue for one more year? Because he's averaging just over 20 fantasy points per game in most formats. Again, he's
1: and here's the thing. Remember the last two or three years we've had this, not you and me, but generally we've had this conversation about, you know, in the preseason or in the offseason, the Panthers make hints that, you know, Cam's got to run less. And, and it spooks you. And this year it spooked me because I thought they might be serious this time because he was getting a little older. And they got McCaffrey. They got offensive weapons that maybe would make, you, would make him run less. But the play, when next year comes around and this conversation happens again, everybody should go watch Jonathan Stewart's 60-yard touchdown run from yesterday. Because what happened is, was I think it was third and one, and the Panthers are on their own 40, right? It's early in the game. And the Vikings are just, they are sold out to stop this run. There are, I mean, between the linemen and the linebackers, there, there are, I think, 10 guys within two yards of the line of scrimmage. I mean, they are, they are loaded up there, and there's one safety back. And what happened is, Cam, the Panthers' offense is, is there's a lot of misdirection going on with him. You know, the read option and all that. Well, Cam goes back and he hands to Stewart with the left hand. And what he kind of does is he, after he hands off, he rolls left like he's keeping the ball. And Stewart runs off, I think, right. That might have been tackle guard. I don't know if it might have been off right tackle. It was, it was interior run. And Cam rolls left. And the safety hesitates and he follows Cam. Like he takes a step toward Cam. Well, that was to the left side. It would have been a run left. Stewart busts through the line and there's no second level. Because that safety followed Cam. That is the play to watch. Because if Cam doesn't have that threat. That changes what they do. So I, I will never again buy this. Maybe when he's 34 years old. I'm going to buy this. Cam's not going to run so much anymore. I ain't buying it anytime soon. Because that that play. I just, if you watch it. You go. Absolutely. They, they, they need it. They have to have him doing that.
2: We probably have to accept Cam as a, a physical outlier. I mean I, I think the. Traditional mindset with with a guy like that is oh well Michael Vick stopped running mm-hmm. at, at this stage of his career Michael Vick isn't built like Cam Newton at all like they're they're totally different in terms of how they how that they, how they're structured Cam's huge Vick was not huge Vick was kind of wiry and and at, and just like quick athletic Cam's just like a linebacker like he's he's just huge so. Vic had a, a season even at age 30, and obviously he had two years off. Remember why, of course. 100 carries, 676 yards, nine touchdowns at age 30 Yeah, for Michael Vick. I mean, that's pretty impressive. 76 for 589 in 13 games. By the way, the 100 carry uh, season, that was in 12 games. <laughs> so I, I think that, that, that's a totally different body type. He was still running a lot. And you could certainly make arguments that cams a better passer than, than Vic was or something like that. I'd I'd entertain those arguments. At least if you watch cam Newton play, unless he suffers another concussion or something like that, I just don't see, I don't see a reason for them to take that away for the reasons you mentioned. Like they, they're not doing it with highly skilled top end talent at running back and wide receiver. They're doing it because of the threat that cam poses with his legs yep. and all the misdirection, all the deception that you have with a combination of him and Christian McCaffrey. I think the thing about Christian McCaffrey all year, when you watch the Panthers, you see how defenses are worried about him too. So when you have two guys like that, that have so many different ways they can beat you, it opens things up for players who maybe aren't that good. Otherwise, right. Uh, I,
1: I, I completely agree. Um, otherwise in this game, Keenum wasn't bad. Threw a couple of picks, which he hadn't done much lately, but he wasn't bad. Um, Jonathan Stewart, three touchdowns. I wouldn't get fooled by Jonathan Stewart, three touchdowns, everybody. I would not get fooled. I mean, that was he had the one big run other than that. Remember, he's, I mean, he got the short yards one. That's the thing is, is you know, he's, if he scores touchdowns, he's great. And if he doesn't, it's not could be very not good. It could be 11 for 28 and no touchdowns and you're dead. So um, Adam Thielen, so he dropped a touchdown. Actually, he dropped two on the same set of downs. But one was a very difficult catch. The other one was literally hit him right in the gut. I mean, he was at the pylon. They threw it, Keenum threw it, hit him right in the chest, and he just dropped it. Yeah, it's not. But a good day anyway. Not, I mean, six for 105 and a touchdown. I mean, that's, you know, hard to argue with that if you don't feel it.
2: In, uh, in, in Twitter news, by the way, we <laughs> were talking about Josh Gordon earlier, and uh, some Packers news account tweeted out, how well did Packers corner Demarius Randall cover Josh Gordon? He had one catch, Randall said. Any more questions? And there's the link to the, to the article. <laughs> Gordon retweets it. Great win for them. But let's be serious. Considering several of our disadvantages as a team, this kid couldn't hold my jock strap on my worst day. LOL at Randall time. <laughs> See, you shouldn't say it after a loss. Even if you're no. the Browns. Yeah. Yeah, you you can't. You just, you, I, I, I think Josh Gordon's a great player. But dude, like, they yeah. stopped throwing you the ball. Take the L. <laughs> like, Right. To just, to just take the L. You, you're used to it. it it's, it's the unfortunate consequence of the franchise that has you, but take the L. Mm-hmm. Redskins,
1: Chargers, this was not a good game. There's nothing to speak of on the Redskins side of the ball here. Uh, the Chargers, you're not going to get fooled by Tyrell Williams' day. Keenan Allen was his usual. Philip Rivers is just, he is squ- scalding hot right now. I mean, he, yeah, he should, he's a top five. What are they, they? They got a Saturday game this week, right? That they're playing the Chiefs, the Chiefs in Kansas City. The big one. Yeah, I'm happy to roll with uh, with Philip Rivers here. Philip Rivers, right now. Look at this. He's he's last three games four thirty four and three touchdowns, three forty four and a touchdown, three nineteen and two touchdowns. I mean, he's just been he, he's, he's doing
2: great. He's he's playing awesome. It's Before good, the good year nobody wanted him. Too. Yeah, right? he's, he was like the second tier guy that you're kind of reluctantly taking. I think the weird thing is he looked pretty bad on on film early in the year. If you go back and, and read some of, of Mario's film reviews, I mean Philip Rivers just looked like he'd lost it for a while. Chargers are that slow start too, so I don't think that's a coincidence for a team that has as much talent as they do defensively. And you look at Hunter Henry really stepping up, that's big. The depth they've got at receiver, you know, Mike Williams hasn't really been able to do a lot as a rookie because of health. But then you get Keenan Allen playing at a high level, Tyrell Williams showing up on occasion, Travis Benjamin making some big plays. They've got a solid running game with Melvin Gordon and and Austin Eckler continues in his limited chances to to contribute too. they they're a well built team right Mm -hmm. now. And if they stay healthy, they're dangerous, right? Yeah, they they look really good. I can't wait.
1: I, I hope they make the playoffs. I really do. Um, Jets Broncos. by the way, back to what I said. Sorry. So this week, remember everybody. In addition to the Thursday game, you have two Saturday games. Bears Lions at 430 Chargers Chiefs at 825. Remember that when you're setting your lineups. Do not forget. We will remind you all week. Um, Jets Broncos. Jets. Uh, Josh McCown probably out for the broken hand. So you're going to see some Bryce Petty important to remember that Robbie Anderson's emergence last year came with Bryce Petty. And maybe that was a, you know, the, the, the the proverbial second string quarterback and second string receiver knowing each other well, because that's what Robbie Anderson was then. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be spooked about Robbie Anderson because of the quarterback situation with the jets. Do you agree with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, it might've just been Robbie Anderson proving that he's good. Yeah. Like, at the end of last year and, and continuing that this year. Uh, so if, if he could produce with McCowan, I mean, as long as it's not Christian Hackenberg, <laughs> if it's Hackenberg, just, just walk away from all jets immediately. Uh, if you're looking at Denver right now, still kind of a weird situation at running back. I mean, CJ Anderson led the way long carry was seven yards, 22 carries for 48 yards, right? Just plotting. And then they hand it off to the fullback, the old fullback dived Andy Janovich, that, that's that got to make you real happy. You carry the ball 22 <laughs> times. And I realize on those carries that Andy Janovich probably had to hit some linebacker in the hole every single time. So in in fairness, like Janovich is doing work, too. But you get 22 carries and the fullback dive is how they, they decide to get the ball in the end zone. So, yeah, that's frustrating if you're a C.J. Anderson owner who had to use him as like a flex or something. Manuel Sanders, one catch for 16 yards. But he had issues. He had injury issues, or was it injury or illness? I forgot. Is one of them that he was fighting through? Might have been an illness that yeah. w- that was up for him. He had the ankle a few weeks ago, though, uh, right. too. So maybe that's still kind of hanging on. At least Demarius Thomas produced. But this game was brutal. Like I, I, I don't have much from
1: this one. I, I'm glad I. Do. That's one of those games I'm glad I didn't have to watch. So yeah. at Sanders, it was his ankle injury. By the way, he was active, but basically tried to fight through that. Um, the next one, Titans, speaking of games, I'm happy I didn't have to watch. Titans-Cardinals. Um, first, first, I would like to say to
2: everybody, I told you so about the Titans. Uh, <laughs> they're no good. They're, they're still 8-5. They could win out and win 11 games this year, which is insane. They are
1: – if
2: they don't – they are so ripe
1: – for losing in round one of the playoffs. But the thing is, I was thinking they were going to lose as a three or four seed at home. But now it looks like the Jags, the Jags are ahead of them now. I mean, they could win the division. If they win the division. I, I pretty much promise you I'm going to be betting against the, the Titans in, in the
2: wildcard. Yeah, it's going to work out where the Titans could end up playing what the the Chiefs or the Chargers, depending on the records. I mean, that's a possibility that they'll lose as, as a road wildcard team. They're not right. they're not going to. Yeah, no chance. Stupid! They're they're a stupid team. I'm I'm so annoyed by the Titans. The car. uh, This game, I feel like it didn't appear on the red zone channel at all. Outside of the ball going through the uprights after (laughs) Phil Dawson had kicked it, that was it. And then maybe like they rolled back to Derrick Henry. Like something else was in the red zone. Derrick Henry scored. It wasn't a long TD, and they cut back to it after the fact. But I, I feel like this game didn't appear on my screen in the late afternoon block on red zone. Right. Yeah. It was just cause it was bad. And Mario Ghost is the game. A, Mario is apparently dealing with knee
1: issues that, that are just not going away, which I mean, I, I you almost want to say, I hope it's something like that because he's terrible. What is he? 10 touchdowns and 14 picks at this point. I mean, he can't, if he has knee issues, he can't run, which is part of his fantasy value. He doesn't seem to be able to throw. I and mean, it's just, it's, it's brutal. I mean, this, this the thing. Remember, remember three months ago we were sitting here saying who's who's the which one's going to break out. Jameis, Mariota or both. And they both stink.
2: Yeah. At least Jameis puts up stink. fantasy numbers. Yeah. I mean, that, that's useful for our purposes. And I think with Mariota, if, if the knee injury is is something that's been bothering him all year, that would explain why he hasn't been able to come close to what he was doing a year ago, despite the upgrades in personnel around him. Matt Castle is not a good enough backup to where if you're trying to play for the playoffs, you really want to go to him. So I think you have to keep playing Mariota banged up, which is really unfortunate because he's had three consecutive games now where he's been under 200 yards through the air. So I I have to wonder if it's been going back as much as like a month for him based on the fact that he's been unable to take advantage of some good matchups. Now Arizona on the road is a tough spot, right? but he missed the layup last week against Houston, didn't do much against the Colts in week 12. And those were the two games where even though he'd been playing poorly, you thought he's going to come out. He's going to crush these teams because they're such bad defenses. He went for three Oh six against the Colts the first time he faced them. So there you go. And I think the first time he faced Houston, he got hurt. So you can't really grade that, but he had 9.6 yards per attempt before leaving that game and three plays of 20 or more yards in that game on on 10 attempts. So it was happening, but he's just been banged up for, for, at least three weeks and maybe longer.
1: Other side of this one, not much to speak of either. Curtain Williams, 20 carries for 73. I mean, at least he's, the, the volume's there for him if you want to flex him next week. Um, who do the Cardinals have next week? What do we got here? Hold on. Um,
2: Six and seven.
1: Uh, they're at Washington. They're at Washington. Okay. I mean, I don't think you want to play Curtain Williams unless you're in a tough spot. Eagles, Rams, Here's there's some fantasy fireworks for you. I mean, we talked about Wentz already, which is, you know, a, a shame. Uh Goff, so so huge day for Gurley. Um, you know, with the two touchdowns. The Eagles backfield, we, we have we we've cemented Jay Ajayi here as the leader. For for a couple they, they did some screwy things with Blunt for a couple of weeks. If you if you own Jay Ajayi now, you're confident, right?
2: You're at least more confident now than you were three weeks ago. I I think you still have some concerns that at the goal line, all of a sudden Corey Clement might just be on the field. Like the the personnel rotations are still there, but at least with the shift in volume, the floor seems to be creeping upward a little bit with the Jai. I thought this would happen earlier than it did. Maybe it was a matter of getting up to speed with the playbook. You know, I don't really know. I think the downside is if you take Wentz out of the equation, you put Foles in, how much does that hurt the efficiency of the running game as a whole? I mean, not just the Jai, but Clement and, and Blunt and, and everybody does it. Does it downgrade them by a half yard per carry as a whole? Like I, I could see something like that maybe being a factor where teams can play the run a bit more aggressively now without Carson Wentz on the field.
1: Right. I mean, and, and Foles probably we probably think he isn't terrible as backups go. I don't. know. But the weird thing is, you know, it's funny. I was going to talk about the the receivers because Torrey Smith. Torrey Smith, 6 for 100 on 11 targets. So he had the same target, target count as Aguilar and Jeffrey. And you look at Torrey Smith over the last three weeks, and he's been getting more looks. Week 12, five targets, goes four for 30. Week 13, seven targets, goes five for 29. And yesterday, 11 targets, goes six for 100. But problem is, now that you got the new quarterback, you, you, don't, you don't know. It's, it's, just, it's kind of a mystery as to what he'll do. Right, so it's really hard to figure. Like, if you look, if you're excited about Torrey Smith, you got to pump the brakes a little bit here.
2: Yeah, you do. I mean, it's just. Uh, think of it this way: the Eagles are going to probably sustain drives less often, so they're going to run fewer plays. If they run fewer plays. Everybody's opportunities go down as far as their carries, their targets, their catches. And if Torrey Smith is third in the pecking order for targets with a healthy Zach Ertz and an Alshon Jeffrey, or even fourth because of Nelson Aguilar. The fourth guy in a Nick Foles-led offense is a lot less interesting than the fourth guy in a Carson Wentz-led offense for those reasons.
1: Other side of this, uh, the, the, the Rams receiving here. Well, Cup had a nice day. No huge target. Sammy Watkins again, bad, bad day saved by a touchdown. Seahawks-Jags. So this was an interesting game. I mean, Russell Wilson kind of tried to put the Seahawks on his back again. and almost worked. Um, Mike Davis is pretty good. He left the game, I think, with a rib injury late, but it doesn't sound like it's serious. But Mike Davis is
2: pretty solid. Yeah, he is. He has a dominant share of the carries right now. Fifteen to J.D. McKissick's three. So five to one ratio favoring Davis. I look at Russell Wilson every time I see the highlight of him jogging down the field after a long play. I swear I'm playing Madden like he no no player moves down the field in In that same smooth, just kind of cruising along motion as Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. It, it's incredible. I don't know how he does it. it. It's like he does it the same way every time. He's got a future like as an actor or something. But you look at the the passing production, Lockett, Baldwin, and Richardson all scored five, six, and seven targets. They were able to get something done against Jacksonville's defense. Now, Wilson threw three picks. like that was huge because it was a close game. But Seattle, even though they lost, I think maybe helped other teams find a few flaws in the Jacksonville defense, potentially. Yeah, you, don't see, do you, you don't see the Jags giving up 24 very often. I, I I wonder if it's
1: flaws or it's just, you know, they ran into a really good quarterback. But I'm not sure. This is another one. I was red zoning, so I can't say I saw the whole thing. I was watching more Eagles Rams than anything else.
2: Same, same for me. But I just wonder, too, like if the Jag part of the Jags this year. Being in the AFC South, how often are they tested? Like that's That's true. That's, that's a legitimate concern. So they've they faced Texans, Titans, Ravens, okay, no no real tests there because the Texans week one were playing Tom Savage before they switched to Watson for his first game. Jets, Steelers, okay, they're tested there. Rams, Goffs, all right, whatever. Colts, Brissett, Bengals, Dalton, no, not being tested. Chargers, Rivers, okay, that's a good test. They won twenty to seventeen. At the Browns, rookie Kaiser, that was before Josh Gordon was back, not really tested. Cardinals, Blaine Gabbard, not tested. Colts again, Brissett, not tested. Like they, I know you can only play the schedule that you're given, but this is this is the thing about the Jags. Like their their defense, I think, is very good, very mm-hmm. talented. But when they face playoff caliber quarterbacks, will they be able to dominate the way they have to? You know, not put too much on the arm of Blake Bortles. Right. Who
1: who tweeted yesterday
2: that? Blake Bortles is the, I think, Albert Breer. Blake Bortles is the best quarterback in his division right now. <laughs> I mean, he went from 9.9 YPA against the banged up Seattle defense, but two TDs, no picks. He played He played well yesterday. Yeah, he's, he's been serviceable, which is more than we expected. But they haven't been in many situations this year where they've had to rely heavily on Bortles. Right. And I, I just wonder if they get into a game against New England or something in the playoffs where they're in more of a shootout What's gonna happen then? Can he come up with the big plays? Mm. D.D. Westbrook looks legit. I mean, yeah. Five for eighty-one, eight targets, another touchdown for him. Keelan Cole had a long one in this one. Marquise Lee. I mean, imagine this offense with Allen Robinson on it, too. Right. Absolutely. They become they become a legit offense and that
1: makes their defense look that much better. So yeah. Um the other side is the same thing. The Seattle receivers, you know, there were there were three different guys got touchdowns. They didn't have huge days, but they were all somewhat productive. Uh, Raven Steelers, holy moly, that was a wild one. Antonio Brown's just same game. Antonio Brown is just—I I don't know—I I don't want to sound repetitive—that because ever, everybody's saying the same thing this morning. But oh my god, he's so good.
2: Yeah, and the best thing about Antonio Brown is that he's on a team that uses him as much as they possibly can. Right. There's there's zero of the Julio Jones in Atlanta. Oh yeah, we just you know we didn't want to throw to him in the red zone because they expected us to do it. There's none of that. They they scheme to get him the ball as much as they reasonably can. Rocket science, right it. there, right? Get the ball to your best player. I mean, I, football I, like I I didn't play football, so I I I, 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 like, I can't really analyze it properly. I that's that's what it is. But wow, like they they just do it. They just they find ways to design plays for Antonio Brown. And he does so much creating how you how you cover him one on one seems impossible. How there's not always help going to Antonio Brown's side is kind of amazing. There was that late catch too. he beat Brandon Carr, which there were several plays like that. But he beat Brandon Carr on one no help over the top. And it was just like easy gain of thirty five. Right. Like, what, how do you how do you defend that one on one? They try to jam him. You got you got the release and it was like, all right, he's open. And he's always open. It's amazing. Yeah. He's,
1: he's great. So, anyway, yes. Antonio Brown's great. Result for both of us. Uh, Big Ben, nice day if you started him. 506 yards, two touchdowns. That's not too bad. Um, Le'Veon Bell, uh, cup three touchdowns and PPR. If you had Le'Veon Bell in PPR, jackpot for you because three touchdowns plus nine catches. That guy is another one. Fantasy wise, he's ridiculous. She-
2: machine uh nice. yards per carry for the season's kind of low but he's getting a ton of touches and he's, he's awesome uh it's weird that they haven't extended him yet kind of wonder what's going to happen with him in the offseason but you look at you look at a team like pittsburgh they had a little stretch earlier this year where we kind of wondered "Is roethlisberger done like he, he even kind of said maybe i just don't have it anymore or something along those lines we're all kind of like what what are you, what are you talking about You can't you can't say that even if you think it you can't tell people that right. And now they're eleven and two. It's like what what's the deal here? They've won what eight in a row. They're pretty good. They're tearing it up right now. They get the Patriots at home in Week 15. Texans in Championship Week. That's that's the key. If if you're a Roethlisberger owner, you just got to survive to Week 16. If you're in Week 16, you get Houston. Right. That's amazing.
1: But this game, I mean, Patriots-Steelers, the Steelers defense has been getting carved up lately. You know, they've been, um, I mean, they've, they haven't been great. You know, they've had some injuries, and it's understandable, but they have, I mean, that's going to be a shootout. I haven't seen the over-under yet. I assume it's like a million, but I mean, that's, that game is good. You know, there's points everywhere
2: coming up for that one. Yeah, lots, lots of points expected. The over under on that one is not posted on covers yet because the Patriots have to play tonight. Someone can get hurt or something. If I had to guess, what are we thinking? Fifty five or something? At least I was going to say it's got to be fifty five. At least it's going to be high, high end of what we've seen all year. Right. And a game that people are going to attack aggressively. With regards to their their DFS lineups and, and rightfully so they really do miss the, the speed of Ryan Shazier at linebacker. I mean, like the, the Shazier mentions last night were off the charts ridiculous. And, and I, I hope he ends up being OK. I mean, and by that, I mean, I hope he's physically able to just function when all of this is, is right. said and done, because it was a scary injury that he suffered I just think it's it's really goofy when announcers just say, Well, Ryan Shazier's gotta feel better after seeing that. It's like I don't think he does. Like <laughs> I think I think it's I think he suffered a really like serious life altering injury. And to minimize that when some guy on his team makes a tackle is is kind of stupid, but I guess that's just a personal pet peeve of mine. Anyway, they miss him tactically because he is a very good linebacker. And I think the Patriots are going to find ways to exploit that, and we saw them even again. I mean, the Steelers against the Packers were leaking those big plays too. So, yeah, I, I think that game has a ton of potential as far as being able to entertain and, and be at the same level as Steelers, Ravens, or uh, Eagles, Rams. Some some of the highest scoring games we've seen all season. I think it's gonna it's gonna be at that level.
1: One guy, other guy I want to mention in this game, Alex Collins. We talk about him a lot. I mean, at this point, it's, it's so obvious that you're playing him. Just remember, next two weeks, Alex Collins at Cleveland, who's been getting leakier against running, fantasy running backs, and then home for Indy. So, Alex Collins owners, if you picked up Alex Collins, you are in, you are in good shape for your fantasy playoffs right now.
2: You still he, looks, he looks good. He continues to look really good. I know he had the fumble issues uh, earlier this year. He fumbled again, didn't lose it last night. That, that's to me, that's like the one thing that he has to find a way to stop doing because as, as good as he's looked, the the surest way to lose your jobs in NFL running back is to start coughing up fumbles that get lost. And it, I'm, I'm glad Harbaugh keeps going back to him, but eventually that's the kind of thing that could swing the job to somebody else. Right. Um, I mean, it sounds like everything's fine
1: generally with him. And I mean, he's, he's, he's really good. Um, the, the last thing about this game, if you look at the the box score here, you're going to see a lot of high tar- You're going to see a lot of targets for a lot of guys like Jesse James and Martavis Bryant. Just remember that Ben Roethlisberger threw 66 passes, and that's not going to happen every week. So let's not think Jesse James has reached some new frontier of usage because it's probably skewed by the amount that Big Ben had to throw uh, in that game. Also, I'd remember Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be off his of suspension, going to be back this week. Um, last thing, Pat's dolphins preview. I think the big news, first of all, Dion Lewis was sick and missed some practice last week. Sounds like he's fine. Uh, one of the, it was the Nesson or the Boston Herald, one of them said Sunday, hundred percent. He's going to go. So if you own Dion Lewis, you probably don't need to worry.
2: Um, the other Chris Hogan might play apparently. Hmm. Bonus. I don't have him anywhere, but good for people that are trying to get him back in their lineup here this week, or maybe even next week if they, uh, advance that far. I look at at Dion Lewis and yeah, everything seems like it's fine. And you look back at these last few games I mean 14, 10, 15 and 15 carries over the last four doesn't catch as many passes as he was catching before. So he kind of needs for the sake of, of what I'm looking for. He needs to get about 65 to 70 yards and a touchdown. Right. That's that's what I need from Dion Lewis tonight. It's important in my home league. I can get a win, move up in my seating. It's really, really big uh, game for me tonight. Yeah. Well, Good luck. Thanks. Hope it works out. Yeah.
1: Um, the other side of this, Godspeed, Kenyan Drake, please help all the people (laughs) who picked you up and are, and are playing you against the Patriots tonight. Listeners to our podcast and get a free 10 day rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out almost all the features on the website. Check it out now. Rotowire.com slash
2: pod. Um, what do you got going on this week? What are you working on? I've got some baseball stuff going on. Winter meetings, uh, kicked up today. It was the first day. I think all the writers got there yesterday It's in Orlando. I am not in Orlando. Every time the winter meetings start, if I'm not covering them live, I wish I was there, and then I'm kind of glad I didn't go the Thursday when they end because it's, it's a draining – it's so – it's fun. It's a fun coverage event, yep. but the, you get up early every day. You stay up late every night, so your, your days are coffee, and your evenings are beers, and you do that for like three or four days – and you meet a bunch of new people and you're, you're, you're just you're exhausted. You're running on no sleep, caffeine, and alcohol. And usually you come back and you get sick. That, that's <laughs> just about – like I, the first time I went, I came home. I think I slept for 14 hours straight nice. once, once I got to bed Thursday night. And I, I woke up at like 3 in the afternoon. I, I think even before I went to sleep, I, I emailed the bosses and were like, Hey, guys, I'm, I'm not feeling well. I, I gotta I got to sleep. I'm going to take Friday off. I never sleep like that. I mean, it was it was that that exhausting. And I, I can only describe it as Twitter live. Like it, it is it is my my baseball Twitter list. All the all the beat writers, all the all the people from various sites that I follow. It's pretty much all of those people in the media room and around the hotel all together for about four days. It's a lot of fun, but uh, it, it is exhausting. And I, I've never gone to the one. Uh, in Dallas or in Orlando rather. I've been to the Dallas one and the Nashville one. Right. Orlando just I, I don't hear good things about it. So, if, unless I have to go, I, I don't I don't opt in.
1: And that's uh, the Nashville Opryland? Mhm. Oh. So, I was at Opryland once many, 20 years ago. And I probably I was at a convention and you know, had a few beers in one of the many places in the hotel.
2: And then I went back to my room. It took me a half hour to find my room. Yeah, this, this, this is a common occurrence. The, uh, our, our buddy Jason Collette has been there, I think, a few times. And he found the members of the Rays front office, who I think kind of know who he is anyway. At least some of them know him. So he sees him walking around, says hello. 20 minutes later, they walk by again. And he's like, you guys looking for your elevator? And they, they didn't know. They couldn't, they couldn't find their, their <laughs> room. I think they were totally sober, but they were probably walking around on no sleep. Right. <laughs> and it's imagine Biodome with a hotel packed into it. Yes. I mean, that's basically what it is. And it's it's cool from a, a, a walking around and looking at it standpoint. It's not really it's it's kind of expensive and all that, too. So if you don't have a, a work expense covering the room. Right. Uh, you're going to pay a pretty penny to hang out there it's probably a go once kind of place on your own. If you're going to Nashville for other reasons, but I would probably go stay somewhere else in Nashville after like one night at Opryland or something. Yeah. It's,
1: it's just, it's a ridiculously large facility. Just crazy. Um, all right. So everybody, if you liked our podcast, check please leave us reviews ratings all that stuff you've been doing that a lot and we really appreciate it and thank you for listening to this edition of the rotowire fantasy football podcast sponsored by fanduel we'll be back on tuesday talking about free agent targets so uh nick falls could come up i i would have a feeling so please check back then for more great fantasy football information for derek van Riper, i'm john Halpin. see you next time